sweaty as Carlos's spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface, he looks calm and ready to drop bombs. Yo, but he keeps on forgetting what he wrote down. That's all I know. That's all I know. <laughs> We're live, by the way. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Well, thanks for listening to Worship Local. This is Frontier Church's podcast where we invite you into the story of the city's most joyful church in Des Moines, Iowa. And in today's podcast, Carlos and I talk more about the high priesthood of Jesus from yesterday's sermon. I walked away from the short sermon yesterday with a lot of woulda, coulda, shouldas. And so we want to use this podcast today to round things out theologically about the doctrine of the high priesthood of Jesus. So let's get into it, bro. You need a high priest. Take two. You need a high priest, not me. No, I'm sure I do need a high priest. We all need a high priest. (laughs) We all do. Well, I mean, Um, we're, we're Protestants though, right? We're reformed. So we're the theological tradition that has done away with priests right yeah i mean that's what they say you know until like (laughs) we bump into peter and he's like actually you guys are priests oh my goodness we need to get around to that man yeah that'd be good we need to get around to that um what'd you think of uh service yesterday bro Mm, service yesterday dude was it was good man I, i was like very very like needy of jesus i think i said a, a mm. couple times you know mm. kind of go around trying to ask people what i can pray for them about and this theme of rest was like super like on my heart yesterday mainly because you know i work in coffee and holidays are like our busiest time of the year and i just feel like tugged and i was telling somebody oh i was telling my wife I was telling caitlin i was like you know and it hit me one night during our advent study i was like i think the reason why rest feels so like on the forefront of my brain right now is because like when Jesus comes for his second advent, like that's going to be my constant state is at rest. And so it's just been cool to see that. And, um, anyway, so the sermon or the, the, the service yesterday was really like reminding me of like what rest is going to be. It's going to be worship. So we sung loud Dana, the pal freaking brought the house down. Yeah. Thanks for bringing this up. Dude. I really wanted to talk about that. (laughs) She, she spoke a word to my heart, and I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, Cole, you don't even got to get up and preach anymore. Like, this is good. <laughs> um, it was so good to be led by her, and her and Adam, um, both together, just like phenomenal leaders. Um, Elliot was up there, and Theoden was as well. But just that team yesterday, man, was just, it was dynamic. It was good. Yeah, I told I told Dana afterwards, and I really believe this, and I really mean it, but... I told her that she's she's a she's a great musician, but mm-hmm. she's an even better leader. Yeah, and I think I think Frontier Church we have a track record of peeping uh, like picking people who are excellent at the thing that they're doing, mm-hmm. but who are even more excellent at being like godly leaders. Yeah, I don't I don't think you I've that, was that her first time leading. She's led a couple times before. Has has she? I think so. She's but, been a part of the band forever, so yeah. it feels like that. But it was there was something I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just a hodgepodge of new building. Um, you know, I don't know her like actually like being the leader, and but it was just like something special that was like, man, like I haven't seen this part of your leadership before, and I like it, and I want more of it. Yeah, it made me it made me think what what is the what is the what's the distinguishing factor that separates a a 
good musician mm-hmm. from a great worship leader. Because like she really made me think about that a little bit. And uh, the quality that I, I landed on, I don't know how you feel about this. We mm-hmm. got a whole conversation to have. But yeah, that's fine. The, the quality I landed on is the ability to linger yes, for the people dude. of God. Yeah, but not just, yeah. Yeah, the lingering was, that's huge, dude. And, yeah. and I think like even being able to like lead us in our lingering was really, like she did that really well. Um, just that word about just like, the season being hard and mm-hmm. um, and how, like, one of the ways that we, like, combat that is, like, through singing and, like, just the, hey, so sing louder. Um, I, I felt like my singing go to the next level. Like, I was, you were sitting in front of me, and I was mm-hmm. like, I want Cole to hear me sing. I, I, like, right. I remember yeah. having that thought in my mind. I want, like, I want him to hear me sing. Well, you know why you felt that way. Is because you're my priest. Oh, look at so that. So is the rest of the church. Look at that. <laughs> I love how you bring it back. Okay. Good, 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 like good musicians, they work their way through the mm. set. Yeah. You know, like they do the song mm-hmm. and then they do the next song and then the they do the next song yeah. and, and then it's over. And everybody says, wow, mm-hmm. you're really a good musician. Mm-hmm. Um, but what an excellent leader does is in between songs or in in the middle of songs, a really good leader, what she does is she has one eye on the people and one eye to the heavens. Dude. And one ear to the people and one ear Mm. to the heavens. And what she does is I think she says, what do your people need to hear? That's good. And sometimes, like as a preacher, sometimes the Lord doesn't give me an answer to that question. And Mm. I just get back to my notes. You know, sometimes I'm like, Lord, what do your people need to hear? Yeah, yeah. And he's like, you wrote it down on Wednesday. And I'm yeah. like, okay, let me get back to my, you know. But sometimes, <laughs> so true, right? But sometimes I'm like, Lord, what do your people, what do your people need? Mm-hmm. And he, he gives me something else. Mm-hmm. And uh, I sense that in, in Dana. Yeah, that was good, man. So, yeah, how did, how did, how did it feel? So the first two weeks we, we both preached on Jesus as prophet. This week you started us off with Jesus as, as priest. Um and you drew out this idea similar to what you're saying of just like mm-hmm. how the priest stood as one ear to the people, but like they represented God to the people, but they also represented the people to God. Um, I thought that was just fantastic, man. Oh, um, thank you, yeah. man. It was just a really good visual for me personally, just to be like, oh, yeah, this is like, this is the function of priests in the Old Testament. Just even for my own Bible reading, just to, to know like, Okay, this yeah. is this is exactly what they were doing. Um, um, I got a question for you. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I shoot? Good. Do you have yeah. any? Do you have any feedback on your sermon? Like, how do you how do you feel about it? Not a sermon, but just like you know, the priesthood and all that stuff. I feel good. Studying? I feel good. Um, but I'm also a systematic theologian, like at at heart, and okay. so like, even though I feel like I I accomplished as much as I could have with mm-hmm. a 30 minute Advent homily, like there's. There's yeah. this piece of me. Like, you know the iceberg illustration? Yep. The tip of the iceberg. Well, like, the sermon's the tip of the iceberg, and then the prep work is everything on yeah. scene, under the ocean. And as a preacher, like, I, it's so hard to just give people the tip of the iceberg and to not be like, okay, but here's the B, right? yeah. the B roll or yeah. the B reel. Yeah. Um, I think that's right. I don't know. I'm not all, all, the, all the tracks that didn't make it on the album. Oh, there you go. Uh, B-side. B-sides. Okay, yeah, yeah, B-side. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's under the iceberg, right? Here's mm-hmm. here's the B-sides and, and everything like that. Um, and, you know, so I've, I've 
I've started to notice that this is not an uncommon feeling that I have, mm. but when I have it, it's usually an indicator that my pastoral ministry from the pulpit has been lacking in a particular area. So okay. I felt like, man, I got to get all these priesthood things into this 30-minute homily. And I was mm-hmm. like, why do I feel that way? It's That's like, a what? sermon, brother. That's not a homily. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. That's like, why do I feel that way? And I was like, yeah. I think it's because the pulpit has lacked a... Uh, I, I have lacked a focus on the priesthood of Jesus for these last six years. Wow. So I felt that way a couple of years ago when I started preaching more regularly about the, the kingship of, huh. of Jesus. Dude, that's good. I, lo- yeah. I and I, I love like the, the, the oh my gosh, I'm stuttering. Sorry. Um, the liturgical like calendar like it's kind of like a reset for you, you know, for us in, in mm. general. Like you, I don't know if you would have bumped into that in your preaching if we hadn't been a liturgical church like th- through the seasons and yeah. all that stuff. So yes, that's cool. Um, I think the combination though is that uh, Ben Bonwell and I were there at seven a.m. and uh, before anybody else came, we we literally what we wanted to do yesterday was pray for every pew in our building. And yeah, he so, shared that with me. That's powerful. I'm yeah, gonna, I'll join you guys next week. So yeah, at seven a.m. like when it was still dark, we kept the lights off, and we just moved from pew to pew to pew until we had prayed for all of the pews. And so I feel like my heart was beating extra hard for my people yesterday mm. because of that. You know, when they showed up at 10 a.m., I was like, oh, yeah, I, you guys you guys feel like you've been here since 7 a.m. Yeah. Because you're moving from pew to pew to pew, I and you're that. visualizing the people that are going to sit in those pews and praying for them. And so yeah. when you feel that way about your people, that also it comes through your preaching where you're like, mm. I want you guys to know everything about this topic. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's less... Let's let them know everything about the topic. Let's yeah, let's do it. Let's so, it why is it necessary to have a high priest if Jesus has already like done the work on the cross? Like, if if the work on the cross is finished, why do we need a high priest? Why do we need Jesus to be our high priest? Yeah. So this is like this is a key question in the, in the study of the priesthood of Jesus because um, if you're if you're sloppy with your theology about the priesthood of Jesus, what that does is it threatens the finished work of Jesus, right? Mm. It threatens the finality of the work of Jesus because when Christ is atoning for our sins on the cross, what does He say? It is finished. It's finished. Yeah. Um, and so you you've got to be really careful to connect your atonement theology to your priesthood theology and to not suggest that Jesus is interceding for you um, because he lacks any finished work on, on the cross. Yeah, um, and so I can give a short answer to that. Um, it The priesthood of Jesus doesn't threaten the finality of his work on the cross because his intercessory work as a priest mm-hmm. is the application of his finished work on the cross. Mm. Unpack that. Yeah, so let me... I, I encourage our people to read chapter 8 of Gentle and, and Lowly. Mm-hmm. Have you read Gentle and Lowly? Um, I haven't finished it. I think I'm halfway through. It's so good. It's so, really good. Yeah. So uh, honestly, I drew heavily from chapter 8. Okay. You'll, you'll notice it if you read it this okay. week. You'll notice that even though I didn't, I didn't quote Dane Ortland, I drew heavily from, his, from this chapter. So I really wanted to show my cards there. But he, So here's the way that, here's the way that he... he articulates it in a way that only he can. Dude, I don't know how you read this dude's book, Gentle and Lonely, without like melting into a puddle. He says, <laughs> quote, think of it this way. Jesus's heart is a steady reality flowing through time. 
And it isn't as if his heart throbbed for his people when he was on earth, but is now dissipated since he's now in heaven. It's not that his heart was flowing forth in a burst of mercy that took him all the way to the cross, but has now cooled down, settling back once more into kindly indifference. His heart is as drawn to his people now as ever it was in his incarnate state. And the present manifestation of his heart for his people is his constant interceding on their behalf as a high priest. Wow. So he's applying today what he already accomplished yesterday on on the cross. So this kind of lets you in, if you could imagine the dialogue between the father and the son Mm -hmm. with Jesus as the high priest. Um, What Jesus is not doing is saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot, father. Cole is so cool. And look at all of his potential. Um, And isn't, isn't he so cute? So you need to hear that as our high priest, Jesus is not making our case before the father by appealing to anything intrinsic with us. Wow. Calvin Calvin states it perfectly. I did say this one in uh, in the sermon yesterday. Calvin Calvin said, um, here we go. Jesus as our high priest turns the Father's eyes to his own righteousness to avert his gaze from our sins. Dude. Bro. I, I got such a vivid image when you said that yesterday. It was like, you know, so sometimes my kids, like, I'm talking to Caitlin, my wife, and they they want me to pay attention to them. (laughs) And they, like, take my face and, like, move it toward their face. (laughs) Oh, yeah. My kids do the same thing. And I, I just got this image of, like, the father, like, being so, like, um... Uh, understandably so like wrathful toward my sin and looking at them and Jesus right. being like a little kid and just like turning the father's gaze toward himself. Preci- dude, precise. It was like, it was so vivid in my mind. I was like, is, am I, am I like here still? <laughs> I was like, am I, yeah, am, yeah. I, am I, am I, am I That, that dude, that was so helpful. Dude, so that what, was so helpful. what Jesus is, if he's not saying like, father, don't shoot. Cole is, Think about all his potential and all the good things that he's done. That's not what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Instead, um, he's doing what what your kid is doing, mm. averting the gaze of the father back to his finished work on the cross. So, like, if you could, um, if you could, you know, do a wiretap to heaven yeah. by by the throne, it, I think it would sound something more like, "I died for that. Mm. I covered that. Mm-hmm. I purchased that. Yeah. I've atoned for that. I love that. I've covered that." You know, I think it would sound more like more like that. He's appealing to his own work. I actually had a kind of a similar image of uh, I. Whenever I watch a movie that I really want Chloe to like, I I am functionally a yes. Mediator. I'm a mediator. I know it, dude. I know what you're gonna say. Yeah, I do so, the same thing. Rocky, four, Chloe and I were dating when I showed her Rocky Four, mm-hmm. and uh, I did not want like. I didn't I didn't want Chloe to not like it, and so yeah. I remember like Chloe was like, "Wow, you were like." holding my hand really hard right now. <laughs> like squeezing her shoulder as I was yeah. cuddling. But I, I was giving her like all the background information. Like, here's why this is yeah. what, like, 
in this moment, you know, like Apollo Creed, what you got to realize mm. is that like, man, Rocky used to fight this guy, but now they're friends. And so he really yeah. loves him. And so when, when Apollo Creed dies at the hands of the Russian and Rocky Ford, like this is an emotional scene. Mm. Um, I'm interpreting the whole movie to mm-hmm. her. And uh, like as the father watches the movie of our lives, yeah. Jesus is at his right hand. Um, interpreting the movie of our lives Dude, to the Father. That's not, such good news. Yeah, not because the Father is not omniscient mm-hmm. or, or all-knowing, but, well, we can actually get into this a little bit more. Okay. Um, it's Jesus is doing this not because him and the Father are on different pages. Yeah, so, like, going to that. Now going, I, I have so many questions, but let's 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 keep going with that track, right? Yeah, so yeah this, is, if, this is huge. If they're one... Why do we need a mediator between them, right? If they're if if I'm playing right. devil's advocate, right? And so you if need to, yeah. if before the foundation of the world, the Father was beholding the Son, the Son beholding the Spirit. There's this perfect dance and of Trinitarian delight and unity. Why does there need mediation between the two of them? This is just a it's a lovely question because. Um, if you don't answer this question rightly, your whole Trinitarian theology collapses. Because it's possible to look at the the priestly work of Jesus. I think a lot of modern evangelical Christians do this. Mm. It's possible to look at the priestly work of Jesus and be like, oh yeah, the Son is the nice one, and the Father is the mean one. Yeah. So the nice one has to say, don't shoot, don't shoot, don't shoot. Yeah. But if our Trinitarian theology is true, mm-hmm. as the scriptures and history affirms, um, then the Father and the Son are on the same page. Yeah. Yes. I have an answer to this question. What What do you think, though, bro? Um, oh, put me on the spot. I was, yeah, yeah. Okay, before I say that, I was going to say, like, that's how I grew up. Like, I grew up... Um, not necessarily going to church, but also like hearing about like Jesus died for your sins, like you're sinful before the Father, and and like I did feel like Jesus was like, you know, good cop, <laughs> you know, good cop, bad cop, right? Like yeah, he was the yeah, one. That, yeah, that's a great way of phrasing it. That um, basically kept the Father from like freaking destroying me. Um, Ah, so if so, yeah. To answer the question, how would I answer that? Um, dude, I feel kind of stuck. I don't know. Okay, let me. Yeah, yeah. You do you think? So this is this is Dane Ortland uh-huh. in Chapter Eight of Gentle Lonely. Again. Yeah. Okay. This is you've already hinted at it mm-hmm. when you said you know since before the foundation of the earth. Yeah. If. The Father is always beholding the Son, and the Son is always beholding mm-hmm. the Father through the Spirit. And they're all on the same page because mm-hmm. they're three persons, one essence, three yeah. persons, one one God. Yeah. Um, it's rooted in that. So here's the way that Ortland phrases this. He says, The priestly work of Jesus does not mean that the Father is reluctant to embrace us, yeah. or that That's the good. Son has a more loving disposition towards us than the Father does. The atoning work of the Son was something the Father and the Son delightedly agreed to together in eternity past. And so the Son's intercession does not reflect the coolness of the Father, but the sheer warmth of the Son. Christ does not intercede because the Father's heart is tepid towards us, but because the Son's heart is so full towards us. And here's here's the answer. And I, interpret this after I say it. Okay. Ortland goes on to say, But the Father's own deepest delight 
is to say yes to the son's pleading on our behalf. Yeah. That's, that's the good. key right there. Yeah, it is. And I guess I would say, right, why do we need a mediator between them? It's not the fact that we we need, like, the Father wills a mediator. Like, I would say, um, you know, it's, it's it was the Father's idea to have a mediator, right? It was, like, they, like, it's not, like, as if we messed up the Father's plan A and then Jesus came through and was like, hey, I got this plan B. You know, it's like, no, like, before eternity passed, like... Like, That's right. This is the the posture that they've had toward one another, but also like the posture that they that they decided to create to create out of. And so like even in the garden, right? I would say that like I would. I mean, would you say that like they're still like Jesus? St- if if there was no fall, right? Would Jesus still be mediating for us? Um. Um, maybe that's a hard question and I probably derailed it. But yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it was, it wasn't plan B. It was plan A. It's yeah. kind of what you're suggesting. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think what I'm trying to get at is the fact that like, this is the, the posture of Jesus and the father. Like, right. This is their relationship. This is how they, this is one of the ways that they relate to one another. Yes. So. Why does the Father set up a mediator between us and him? Because he loves to hear the voice of his son. Yeah. Right? Why does the Father set up a mediator between us and him? Because he loves to say yes to his son. Hey, mm-hmm. I died for that. Yes. Hey, yeah. I covered that. Yes. That's good. Hey, I atoned for that. Yes. And you see that uh, in Hebrews 9 a little bit because <laughs> there's this sparkling phrase in Hebrews 9 that evokes a whole world of theology. And um, he says that Jesus as our high priest and I didn't get to give this phrase the attention it deserves. It says that Jesus as our high priest accomplished for us an eternal redemption. Mm. So that's rooted in the fact that our covenant with God comes from what Reformed theologians call in the eternal covenant. And we're going to go real deep real fast here. Yeah, but it. it's the fact that before God ever makes a covenant with creation— before God ever makes a covenant with uh, Adam and Eve, before God ever makes a covenant with us, God, as a Trinitarian being, has made a covenant with himself. Mm. And so the Father and the Son, through the Spirit, made a promise to one another, an agreement or a covenant, where before the foundation of the earth, the Father promised the Son to give him a people to make his name great. I promise you I'm going to do this. And the Son says, I will bring you all the glory, and I will go accomplish that. Mm. And so our redemption in Christ is actually not rooted, like, in anything that we do. It's, it's in the Godhead. Yeah. God has promised to give Jesus these people. And that means that when Jesus gives us a redemption and redeems us into the presence of God, mm-hmm. it can only be described as an eternal redemption. Wow. That's right? Because we, we, we cannot lose this redemption mm-hmm. because our redemption is based on the Father's promise to the Son. The only way we could ever lose our redemption is if the Father breaks his promise. Yeah. And that or would... if the Son breaks his promise. That would uh, split the the cosmos. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The only way we could fall from our secure salvation mm. is if the father said to the son no but the father mm. and son are one in essence so the dude. father will never say no to the son's requests and pleading and priestliness dude that's that's such good news man especially like in this season where um you know the common thread and theme of 
of Christmas is perform and I will give you what you need or what you want. Yeah, tell me a little more about that. Yeah, so like, I mean, that's just the the, the comment, like, you know, he's making a list, checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like that. the whole theme of, of, of Christmas is like, you know, if you deserve a gift, you'll get one. But what you're saying is that like, there's this steadiness and this like unshakable commitment of the Godhead to redeem us and then for Jesus to mediate uh, to mediate us to the Father no matter how we act, no matter if we're naughty or we're nice, like because of the finished work of Jesus, like we have a steady and sure um, promise that like we we have a we have the present of Jesus's presence, essentially. Yeah, that's so, right. So, um, it's just good news, man, to hear that. Like, no, the Father doesn't necessarily need a mediator. He desires to hear the voice of Jesus. He desires to 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 respond to Jesus's um, request for us. And like the fact that we have Jesus who loves us so much to like yeah just to spend like he's like right now he's mediating for us like right now yeah you know right um, and like it's not burdensome he's like no this is like this is what i do this is this is what i i love and so that's just really good news man um it's really good news and i think it's kind of like it's i think it's kind of what peter's hinting at when he says that through Christ, we become participants in the divine nature. Mm. <laughs> like, what's it mean to be a Christian? It means I participate in the divine nature. Whatever that means. <laughs> so, like, the Son stands yeah. between us and the Father, yeah. but the Son also sends the Spirit to dwell within us. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we are, like, literally swept up into the nature of the Trinitarian Godhead. That. Like. Mm-hmm kept alive, suspended in thin air between the dialogue between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're mm. a part of, there's no other way really to describe it besides we're we're given a seat at the table uh, in the divine family. Oh, Jesus. There's a, there's, right? a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a plate for us at the table, right? There's a, a door with our name on it, a bed with our, our name over it, with sheets made for us. Jeez, dude. Bro, so let's keep waxing on this concept of the priesthood of Jesus and just, like, priestliness in, in general. We're reformed, yeah. so, like, when people come to Frontier Church, they hear Pastor Carlos preach or Pastor Cole, mm-hmm. right? And they go on our website, and uh, there's a list of pastors mm-hmm. and elders um, and deacons, mm-hmm. but there, there's not a link you can click for priests, so Jesus, <laughs> right? Since Jesus is our high priest, yeah. we no longer need priests, or or do we? And I guess the question I'm asking is, yeah. since Jesus is our high priest, as New Testament believers, are we just done with priests? Yes and no. I would say yes and no. I think I think in the in the way that we see in the Old Testament, right? Like there's this like this <clears throat> mortal man 
who stands in the place between us and God. Like, and I think that's what, I mean, I think that's what I would say, like differentiates us from, well, among other things. But one of the, the main things that differentiates us for Roman Catholics is, um, we believe that because of Jesus being our high priest, we have direct access to the father. Like we don't need to mediate. That's right. Um, we don't we don't need a, a, a earthly mediator. So no, in that sense. But I would also say yes, mm-hmm. because we don't have this like one figure that's representing us to God. But we are, you know. Peter says that um, um, that we are we are um, we are priests. We're royal priesthood, right? I don't remember where that is. Yeah, um, that's First uh, Peter two verse nine. You want to read? I'll that? read it. Yeah. 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 But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him mm. who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love that. That's from First Peter, you said? Yeah, First Peter 2. Dude, I love that. And so, like, yeah, we're not... We're not um... <sighs> Sorry, I was looking for something. No, okay. Um... We don't need a priest, but like because of God sending his spirit to dwell within us, we all like are priests to one another. So like that's right. I have the the unique um and privilege I would say but the privilege to represent you to God. So I can come to God directly on your behalf and, and pray for you or minister to mm-hmm. you or meet your needs, you know? And, and it is like this, like it, it serves the same function that a quote unquote, you know, old Testament priest would, would serve. And so, um, so I would say yes and no. That's a, that, yeah, that's that a great question. way of answering the yeah. question. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, I totally agree with mm-hmm. what you said. And it's, it's, it's kind of a cool theological concept because, like we were talking about in that last question, the priesthood of all believers isn't this newfangled New Testament like Plan B idea. Mm. It was it was God's Plan A that all of His people would always be a, a priesthood. So where Peter's getting that from is like, um, he's not like, hey, let's close our Old Testaments and now I got a bunch of New Testament ideas. Uh-huh. Peter gets that from the Old Testament. So. Mm. If you look at when God is establishing Israel as his covenant people in Exodus, before the idolatry mm-hmm. of, of Aaron and the nation, yeah, he's, yeah. God's promise is, is uh, and this is Exodus 19, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I love that. And so God's, like, God always planned for all of his covenantal people to all be priests who stand between him and the nations in the world. Well, come on, right? So it's not. It's not actually until, it's not actually until yeah. uh, the idolatry of Aaron and the golden calf that God institutes the the Levitical Old Testament priesthood of like, okay, the, yeah. these people are stiff-necked, hard-hearted. So let's do this thing as a foreshadowing. And so what we see is, uh, as you know, New Testament believers, this is a fulfillment of God's Old Testament promise to make all of His believers. Um, into uh, into a, a priest, and so like one of the reasons why Carlos and I we don't wear the priest collars <laughs> is because like as reformed people, if we wear them, you guys all got to wear them too. We all got to wear them. You all got yeah. That's I mean we do have we do have a list of priests in our church. It's our membership directory. Yeah. 
You know what I'm saying? So, I love that. We all we all function that. Where's way. that verse again? Can you remind me of that? The, First Peter, uh, chapter two. Verse oh, I nine. see it. Yeah. I see it. Um, yeah, dude, it's so good that you may. So like, we're, we're royal priests. Like, but as priests, what are we doing? Right? We are. It says to proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. So you're right. Like, right. Yeah. yeah. We are. We are priests to to mediate the grace of God toward our neighbors and our baristas and our kids and, you know, coworkers, like as priests, like we, we follow in suit with, with the, our, our great high priest, uh, which is Jesus. So I love that. It's yeah. It's profound too. Cause yeah. like when we say things like, I'm gonna pray for you, bro. Like that is not like, yeah, that's not like, Oh, Pop Christian jargon, uh, cool. No, that's all rooted into the fact that God has made us into a kingdom of priests. And mm-hmm. as a priest, it's my role to go into the throne room of the Father on your behalf and, and plea for you. And when I pray for you, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Not in a salvific sense, right? I'm not making a sacrifice mm-hmm. for you because Jesus already made that final sacrifice yeah. for you with, with his own blood. But in a relational sense... It's my responsibility to do that for you. Man, I love so. that. I love that. Dude, yeah, there's so much I feel like I could say. Um, especially that piece about, like, us being priests to the nations. It's, ooh, it's profound, man, because it, it, like, I think, if, I think if I truly believed that I was a priest, that I represented God to people and I could mediate, people's prayers to god i think that i would like treat people differently yeah yeah (laughs) you know like i think that i would be more patient with people with my kids like i think that i would be more cognizant of the way i walk through the grocery store and like interact with people like if i truly believed that i was a a priest like it would I think it would. It, I think it could. Tra- it, that that believing that has the ability to transform how well we can love our city. I truly believe yeah. that. And why why God placed you on the block that He placed you? Yeah, you are God placed you in the house where you're at, in the neighborhood that you're at, so that you would be your neighborhood priest. Ah. Uh, so like I talked about this a little come bit. Come on, dog. <laughs> That's uh, so good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, hey, I'm cool. I'm your neighborhood priest. Um, but you know, so is, um, so is Carl Maxwell and yeah. Judy Maxwell. They are their neighborhood priests over there, and so yeah. is everybody in our church and their neighborhoods. I, you know, I shared this a little bit from the pulpit, but the way that the high priest would have represented God of the people is like when that dude was walking around the village, he would have represented and reminded people of the reality of God. You know, they yes. would. I gave the example of like when you see your high priest walking through the village, you look at him and be reminded, like, that's right, God exists, and mm-hmm. he's our king, and I exist to live for him. And um, it's kind of a challenge that we should all love our neighbors and live in such a way that when we take our kids for a walk in our neighborhood and our neighbors see us, they shouldn't be like, oh, there's, like, religious uppity coal over it. No, they should look at us and be yeah. like, oh, that's right. God is real. Mm. And my life exists to glorify him. Like, yeah. how do you live in such a way that when people see you, they're like, oh, that's right, God's real, and he's awesome. Yeah. Dude, there's so many answers to that. I don't know that's a rhetorical question, but I do think that, like, 
man, if we really believe that, like, gosh, yeah, that we were priests, man, I think we would be nicer to people. As this is a broad stroke, right? But I think we'd be more patient. We'd be more intentional. Um, we draw people out. We'd be. We probably give people more of the benefit of the doubt. We probably be probably be more curious i mean the list goes on dude like yeah, yeah. um that's a challenge i'm gonna i'm gonna hold myself to that i want to be my i want to be holcomb avenue's uh priest yeah that's I right i want to do that and, and then like make some more priests on that make it a a, a block full of priests that yeah dope. yeah or like where you go to work like i am the bondorant <laughs> yeah. Ferrar yeah. blue jays uh wrestling priest yeah i'm supposed to be Jesus with wrestling shoes on or yeah. you know wherever you work at, at Mars Cafe right or yeah. brothers who work at Mars Cafe you are the Mars Cafe local priests yeah dude I love that yeah. you got anything else no that about taps me out man I think that you still have a sermon to preach this Sunday on the priesthood of Jesus so I don't want to take away all this has your, been good. your sermon but I bet it's been good like it has been prep work yeah it's been good to think through um what else I can add to, to that? I think we talked about it a little bit, but um, just about how we've talked about like what the priest does, but um, the fact that Jesus is yeah also our sacrifice that'll be that'll be good. Sweet. Well, have, I'm excited to hear you preach on Sunday about the the priesthood of Jesus. So yeah, dude, I'm excited. Yo 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 yo. Hey church, we love you. Thanks for letting us nerd out theologically. I hope that this was a blessing for you, and I hope it helps you worship local. Yeah, I love you guys.